0: Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind the scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up and coming debut writers about their books. Harper Academic Calling, Celeste Headley. Celeste is an award-winning journalist who has appeared on NPR, PBS World, PRI, CNN, and BBC, among others, and she currently hosts On Second Thought at Georgia Public Broadcasting in Atlanta. She is uniquely positioned to take on an issue that seems to be at the heart of America's problems today, our inability to have meaningful conversation. Her TEDx talk... 10 Ways to Have Better Conversations, was one of the most viewed in 2016, and has over 11 million views across platforms to date. She explores the points in her talk more deeply in her book, We Need to Talk. The book combines research and personal anecdotes to outline practical strategies anyone can take to improve their communication skills. So on the phone with us right now, we have Celeste Headley, author of We Need to Talk. And Celeste, thanks for joining us today.
1: It is my pleasure.
0: Before we go into talking about the book, one of the things I just wanted to point out that I admire so much about this is I love how, when you're talking about all of these strategies for having a conversation, you acknowledge your own shortcomings um, and how you've been working to improve yourself.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's a reason why I know all this stuff so well. and <laughs> <laughs> I was screwing it up and, and, frankly, continue to screw it up. You know, it's not easy. I, I tell people all the time that. The the things I suggest you do are are simple, Uh, they're not complicated, but they're also not easy. So I'm still a work in progress.
0: Mm, Absolutely, as are we all. Um, So what are some of these practical strategies that students can implement to improve their communication skills?
1: Well, the number one most powerful, the one where they're going to see the biggest bang immediately, is to put down their phones. Mm-hmm. And, and even more than put down their phones, put them away. Um, you know, the growth in the use of smartphones over the past 15 years, and it really has only been 15 years, is so explosive that it's taken a long time for the research to catch up. Right, you know, a, a clinical study takes years and, and you, then you have to have people uh, read it for you and verify it and confirm it and redo it. That takes a really long time. So what's happening is 15 years on, we're just now getting an inkling of the effect that these smartphones have on our brains. And we're just not aware of how impactful they are, how much they change the way our brains work, how much they affect our relationships. But what we are starting to see is that it's it's not good. They're distracting you, even when they're not making any noise and they're just sitting here on the table. But even more telling is there's uh, research that shows that even if your phone is just sitting there on the table, making no noise, you don't check it. it, it's making the person across the table from you think that you're less trustworthy, less less empathetic, and less friendly. That's what's going on subconsciously. So I would say... Don't let your smartphone change your brain. Put it away. You can get by. And, and going along with that, the second thing I would say is turn off your notifications. Turn off almost all of them because you don't need to know every time someone retweets you. You don't need to know every time someone likes your post on Facebook facebook or snapchat or instagram or whatever platform you use you don't need to know that immediately and it's really distracting your brain so focusing and listening is hard enough so turn off your notifications
0: mm, it's, yeah it seems like um there's that focus on focus on focus i guess i should say um in conversations yeah. um and the smartphones is definitely linked to that um and as, as i was reading it one of the things that I was kind of thinking throughout it, so much of the advice you give relates to listening. And I couldn't help but think as much as the title, We Need to Talk, is so appropriate, I couldn't help but think maybe We Need to Listen is just as powerful a statement.
1: Yeah, And I think it's – and perhaps even more so because the fact of the matter is we're talking more than ever, Mm -hmm. right? We're talking at people more than we ever have before um, because we have so many platforms with which to do that. Um, But we're not listening to each other, And, and because we're not listening, that means we're not responding to each other either. To respond to someone, you have to hear what they say and think about it and consider it and then respond. We're not doing that. A lot of times when people think they're having a conversation, all that's happening is two people are standing there telling the other person what they think. That's Mm. not a conversation. (laughs) That's just you telling people what you you think in the same room as someone else. Um, The conversation requires, just like you say, it requires you to listen and respond.
0: Mm. One of the things you mentioned in the book is that um, one problem that people have is that they're often crafting a response as the other person's talking. So they're not even listening to what's happened. They're just thinking about, oh, this is the next clever thing I'll say.
1: Right, and that's certainly not something that I, I, I'm certainly not the first person to ever say that. You know, Stephen Covey in his book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People said, mm-hmm. you know, we, we listen um, not with the intent to understand but with the intent to reply. And I'm paraphrasing here, but um, we we don't listen um, to, to all the way to the end of someone's sentence. And and especially in this, like, politically polarized client, a lot of times we'll just listen for certain phrases that we think tell us what that person thinks right we'll listen for them to say certain things that we think are going to tell us everything that we need to know and then we prepare um, our response it's like it used to be as a journalist it used to be that it was only politicians who had talking points now it's everybody mm-hmm. we have these stock phrases and stock things that we say about things about people about issues and we just repeat them and that's that's terrible conversation. That's not actual human connection.
0: So, for students, in terms of what they're talking about in a conversation, um, what should they be focused on more instead of like these stock phrases that they're going to? How sh- how how should a conversation ideally flow?
1: So, the the main thing is to stop trying to educate other people, mm-hmm. um, and and this is difficult for smart people because they know a lot, right? So they're always trying to educate other people about what they know and and what they think is right. And I'm not talking about sharing an interesting, interesting tidbit, right? Mm. Um, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about the phrases that start, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about when someone says something, you know, and you say, well, actually, that's not quite correct. So, when you're in, an, in a conversation, if what you're trying to do is educate, you have changed the power dynamic. You mm-hmm. you've put yourself a, in a superior position to the other person, and it's not, that's not going to be a good conversation. So instead, it really honestly doesn't matter what you talk about, except you should be talking with the other person. I will say that a lot of people tell me, I have no idea how to start conversations, I never know what to say. And in those cases, I think the best thing to do is ask questions. Mm-hmm. I start conversations with people all over the world by asking them questions about themselves. And, and it's 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 easy. Are they wearing a, a, a baseball cap? Are they, you know, they have pretty nails on, but they have a particular piece of jewelry or something else that tells you something about them that you can ask about. Ask them about where they're from. Something simple that they know the answer to about which they care. And then you're going to have a conversation started. Mm-hmm.
0: So then let's say um, students read this book, take all of your advice. They become conversation masters. But in having, ideally, (laughs) but um, in having conversations with other students, they find that no matter what they're doing, um, you know, they're focusing, they're saying all the right things, they're listening, but the other person just isn't giving. It's not a balanced conversation. How would you um, advise students to sort of work with that? Is the conversation mood at that point? Is there something that they can do to kind of bring the other person into the conversation with them?
1: Well, co- questions are always gonna bring the other person into the conversation. If they really are, even if you're asking good questions and they're answering with one or two words, then yeah, it's, it's probably okay um, to walk away. Mm-hmm. But, but most of the time, um, it's not. People will answer you, they, don't have, they don't, usually don't have a problem answering your, your good, honestly curious questions. Um, I will say that you know nine out of ten of the questions I get are usually about how to change other people's behavior mm-hmm. and you you can't you can't change the way other people behave in conversation but the good news is that research shows um, you probably need improvement we tend to pretty significantly overestimate our own conversational skills mm-hmm. um, and that's across the board that's not you know, specific to a, to a gender or, or age of person. Uh, I know people like to complain about millennials, but in fact, older people are less likely to listen than millennials are. So, you know, don't feel comfortable that you're good at it and other people are not. That's the first thing I'd say. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I'd say is that human beings are primed to learn through modeling. We learn about how to behave and how to treat other people Um, by modeling their own behavior, by observing what they do. It's why that thing your mom always used to tell you, treat others the way you want to be treated, it's a cliche because it's it's literally true. That is how human beings learn, behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you are modeling really great conversational behavior, then the people that you talk to on a regular basis will eventually get it.
0: Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Um, so I want to shift a little bit into um, what's happening right now. Um, I'm glad you've mentioned throughout this conversation um, both technology and the current political stakes. It seems like these are really the two main causes of our poor communication skills these days.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, do you think those two are linked in any way?
1: Um, I think they're linked that our poor communication skills are causing the political polarization. Hmm. And, you know, by some measures, we've never been we, – the, the, the United States hasn't been as polarized since the Civil War, mm-hmm. when we were literally killing each other. So it's it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, the – you know, the, the thing is, is that one of the most effective ways to increase your empathy for other human beings is to actually hear their experience and hear their perspective. Since we have stopped doing that, listening to other people's perspective – um, it means empathy is on the decline,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and some research has shown that empathy has declined, especially among college students,
0: by forty percent in the past thirty years. Mm-hmm. Which I found very surprising, since when people think about the younger generation, they're generally considered a more open, more accepting generation.
1: Yes. Well, we have we don't that that research was on college students. It didn't include information on. Other people, right? Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine. I have no idea what that would look like if they had, if they had pulled um, at a, a significant number of baby boomers, for example, or, or another group. Mm-hmm. But we know that in college students, at least, it's on—it's really on the decline. And we also know that. Um, younger people tend to be more obsessed with their smartphones, they tend to be more addicted to their smartphones, they tend to text more often than they actually talk on the phone and it's 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 by hearing actual human voices and seeing human faces that you maintain a human connection with people. So it is no surprise to me that with empathy declining so rapidly that we can't we can't seem to understand other people's point of views or perspectives or opinions. And we have become more tribal, Mm -hmm. which means here's my tribe, here's what we think, and that's their tribe and they're bad, they're the bad tribe, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's what they think. So the the only thing that's gonna get get us out of this, I truly believe the only thing that's gonna get us out of this is if we start actually talking with each other, actually listening to one another, and and realizing that we're not tribes that the other people are not our enemies but that we're all in this together you know a rising tide floats all boats so um, as soon as we start to do that i think we'll begin to see a change but right now you know we we are literally peer research has has shown pretty definitively we are literally living in bubbles we surround ourselves with people who look like us, especially if you're white, and people who agree with what we believe. It's so bad that at this point I think it's I think it's like eighty eight percent of Americans would be unhappy if a person from the other political party married into their family. Mm. I think about that for a moment. That is insane
0: it's a' it's a very sharp divide,
1: yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, we we can keep doing exactly what we're doing, but it really hasn't helped us much, has it? It's not working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we need to try something else.
0: Yeah. One of the things in the book that stuck with me was you mentioned an incident in an airport when um, you were talking to a woman who had a different point of view, and you just talked about setting aside your opinion and just listening to her, even if you didn't agree with her.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's rough because... Mm-hmm. Possible, she was uh, racist. That's possible, and I'm a mixed race person. But you know, it's also possible she's not. That she has her opinions, and um, she has them for things I, I can't even imagine what they are. So it was actually really enlightening for me to listen to her and listen to her stories, and think that maybe uh, the assumptions I would make about her right immediately were wrong. And, you know, what I ended up doing, and I talk about this in the book that's all about the power of apology, Mm -hmm. is I I just, I apologized to her. I hadn't done anything wrong to her, but she had been hurt, like, pretty significantly by people constantly telling her, calling her she was a racist and writing her off. Um, And I said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, Because that's, it's a terrible thing for her to go through, for another human being to go through. And I think that we write people off. You know what? It it doesn't even matter to to me. It doesn't matter if she is a racist or not. And I know there's going to be people who are upset by me saying that. But in the end, it doesn't make any difference to my interaction with her. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I can still interact with her. I can still talk with her like another human being, even if she holds views that are repellent to me. And and if you actually want to change those people, reach somebody who believes something which you think is morally wrong, if that's your goal, then writing them off and trying to isolate them more is not working. That's what we have been doing. It's not working. Mm-hmm. So it's better to reach out to them with empathy and, and continue to keep the dialogue open. Mm-hmm.
0: And if if I'm remembering this correctly, um, she actually walked away from that conversation more open to the opposite view um, without you even really educating her.
1: Frankly, I said nothing about my view. Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't lecture her. I didn't educate her. I didn't even say, wow, you're wrong about that at any point. Mm -hmm. And she said some things that I thought were wrong, but I didn't say a word I listened to her. I said I'm sorry. I asked her a lot of questions, and and even so, as you say, she walked away, saying, "You know what? I can kind of see your point of view." And it's kind of ironic because I didn't tell her my mm-hmm. point of view.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's very very powerful.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And another um, another thing I want to talk about in terms of today's climate um, seems like so often with all these different issues. We, there's always talk about we need to have this conversation. Um, let's have a conversation about gun control. We'll have a conversation about immigration. Um, but it seems like really all of the talk is about having a conversation as opposed to having the conversation. Could you talk about the difference between those?
1: Between which?
0: Between talking about having a conversation and actually having the conversation.
1: Oh, right. You're talking about how we always keep saying we need a national conversation. Yes. About race, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 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 But all we have meant about that in the past is um, let's have a whole bunch of people write think pieces (laughs) (laughs) and then let's have a whole bunch of pundits come on to cable news and argue. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what that has meant in the past. That's not a conversation. It seems like that
0: really goes back to that um, talking at someone.
1: Oh, exactly. That is is exactly it. That's just two people spouting their views in the same location at the same time, and that's all that is. That is not a conversation. Um, And and it would be great. It would actually be fantastic if we really did have national conversations about these things. But when was the last time you you saw two people on CNN or any other cable news channel asking each other questions and saying, wow, that's a good point. I've never thought about that before.
0: I could not tell you <laughs> no
1: i have i don't I don't think I've ever seen that so which to me means we've never had and in my lifetime and i'm forty seven we haven't had that
0: mm-hmm. How would you recommend we move towards that just implementing all of these things? Well, I would ban
1: pundits <laughs> 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 um, I'm only half kidding about that mm-hmm. um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm doing what I'm doing is, is the, what I think what I think I have to offer, which is here's here's how you do, you do this. This is how you change you. Like I can't do anything about whether somebody else is going to be a better listener
0: mm-hmm.
1: to you, but I can help you be a better listener. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most that I can do, right? And, and and you help out with that because you're helping me get that message out. We try, um, we
0: try. And it seems like, you know, really, if we want to kind of move in this direction, the place it's going to start is going to be at these college campuses.
1: Well, I think there's a
0: lot of power there. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know what? I, I got to I gotta say that, um, you know, like the TED Talk that this book is based on has, oh, I don't know, 11 and a half million views at this point. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of those are young people and and that to me is a sign that um, young people are aware that something's wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? And they want they can, to fix it.
1: Exactly. Even if they can't articulate it, they know something's amiss. Mm-hmm. And they want to fix it and they want to make it better. And that's really heartening. And I, 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 can, I still hold out hope that we really haven't gone too far yet, right? We haven't become the... The, the people in in Wally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not hard. there yet.
1: I'm not there yet, which mm-hmm. means there's there's time. There's time for us to re- renew those human connections and start listening and responding to each other. And that, that I really think could change
0: the world. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we can get them all reading the book.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's the first step.
0: Exactly. Um, So, Celeste, we have one more question for you, and this is a question that we ask all of our podcast guests. Um, Since this podcast is primarily for students, um, teachers, educators, who was your favorite teacher?
1: Um, I had so many of them that made such an incredible impact on my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me think about that. My very favorite teacher so I had a choir teacher in uh, college Joe Michael Scheibe who then went on to to lead the choral department at USC Um, Mm -hmm. and he and I butted heads all the time (laughs) 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 but he was so like dedicated to his work I mean he so clearly loved what he did and expected the best out of us so much and we got frustrated it's because we weren't we weren't delivering that, but he made us better than we were. Mm-hmm. He made the the sum total so much greater than than the individual parts. And and the other thing I loved about him is that he wasn't afraid to be vulnerable. Like when he was conducting, he was so clearly emotionally caught up that um, it just really made an impression on me. And some of my best m- memories from college were those times I spent with my with my friends in, in in choir. It was just it was emotionally transformative.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Well, Celeste, thank you so much for having a lovely conversation about having conversations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is my pleasure. Thank you so much,
0: Michael. Of course. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third-party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.